As you watch this teaching, I would like to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. My friends, it's Friday. What are you gonna do this weekend? Well, you have definitely started your weekend right because you've started it with Home Group with me and Paul and Joel Renner. Hey guys. Hi everybody. Hi Dad. Hi Joel. Hey Paul. I wanna say, I think, I just wanna say thank you for watching Home Group. So many families sit down to watch Home Group and study the Bible together with us. And it's a privilege, it really is a privilege to study the Bible with you. And I wanna say thank you. And thank you for all your comments. We read everything that you write. First thing I do when I get up in the morning, I go get my coffee, I do my push-ups, I read my Bible, and I read all your comments. Thank you for being with us. And Paul, I am so glad you were with us this week. Thank you, I enjoy being here on Homework. Uh, homework, Home Group. I enjoy being here on Home Group. Where are you going to church this Sunday? Please go to church this Sunday. Church is a wonderful place to be. It's a place where we grow together. It's a place where we learn to follow the Lord together. Where are you going to church this Sunday? Amen. Well, we're offering right now our brand new series, which is called Overcoming Strife. It's five parts. Hey, our home group this week has been pretty lively. We've talked about washing mouth out with soap, pulling a woman off the stage, solving problems, a pastor that lamb blasted his congregation, we have talked about a lot of different things this week. Strife is an issue that affects everybody. It affects marriages. It affects pastors and churches, staffs, friends, siblings. The list goes on. Nations, wars all happen because of strife. Well, strife is an old problem. And learning how to deal with strife is so important. It's such an important thing. We must learn how to deal with strife. That's why I want you to have the series, Overcoming Strife. It's five parts, and it comes in multiple formats, and the stand-ups are out of this world. Wow. And it comes with a study guide. Friends, when I tell you that these study guides are loaded, Joel, do I mean it? They definitely are. I think so. Many of them are over 100 pages long. It's like Those are really Dad's notes. He, we, he teaches out of his notes, and then he may add during the message. And so we transcribed the message and we put the two together and it turns into a wonderful piece of material. You know, in 1978, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, write, 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 I'll prosper what you write. These study guides are like books. It's like I write a book every week. Anyway, it's for you and it's free, so please go get it. And remember, this is the last day we're offering the book. Did you order yours yet? If you haven't ordered yours, why not? You need to go online or give us a call and order, you can get over it, how to confront, forgive, and move on. Paul, have you ever read this book? Yes, I have. What'd you get out of it? Well, I like the story about the sycamore tree. Sycamine. Sycamine, yes, thank you, sycamine tree. And that teaching has become a base for my life because when we know that strife and bad attitudes uh, are actually detrimental to you and you need to get rid of them, it buries you. Yes. Chapter one is everyone has opportunities to get offended or upset. Everybody has that opportunity. All you have to do is wake up. Chapter two is a trimp, a offense is a trap. Chapter three, Jesus understands your emotions, frustrations, and temptations. That's very comforting. Chapter four, how the devil operates in the realm of the mind and the emotions. Chapter five, the friend who became Jesus' betrayer. Even Jesus had to deal with this. Chapter six, you're the bishop of your own heart. Chapter seven, uproot every root of bitterness. 
chapter 8, it's time for you to let it go. Chapter 9, why Jesus compared unforgiveness to the sycamine tree. That's worth the whole book. Number 10, 10 practical suggestions to keep your heart free of bitterness and strife. And this is the book people don't order because they want to move on, but they don't want to do the first two parts, confront and forgive. But everybody deals with this. You ought to get it just to have it nearby you. There's a reason why it is red, white, and black, because these are the colors for emergency help. Mm-hmm. And when you need emergency help, this is a book that will help you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to talk about how to put an end to strife. What if you're already in strife? Well, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 to 15. And it says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. But the first of verse 14, it says, follow. Follow what? Peace. Follow peace. And the word follow is the Greek word dioko. The word dioko was a hunting term. It could mean to follow, to chase, to pursue, or to hunt. And it portrays a hunter who picks up his hunting gear. He dresses in his camouflage clothing. He goes out into the woods and he follows the tracks of the animal. He looks for every little broken twig where an animal's come walking through. He's smelling. He's looking for hair that's caught on the trees. He's following the scent. He's following the tracks of the animal. And here... It is used, it means follow, 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 follow. It means follow after the scent of peace, the tracks of peace, until finally you apprehend and capture peace with all men. That means you can have peace with everybody. You say, well, you just don't know my spouse. You don't know my boss. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. The Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit has the key to every person's heart. Mm. And he will give it to you. He will show you how to capture peace even with a difficult person. It might mean you need to say nothing. Maybe that's the strategy. But he'll show you how to capture peace with all men and holiness. The word holiness is the Greek word hagias, which means to be different, to be separated, to be consecrated. And it literally means in this context, God expects us to be different. We're not supposed to act like the world. We're not supposed to respond like the world. We are to be different. God calls us to act like saved people. In fact, it goes on to say, without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, if you read that, it kind of sounds like if you die bitter, you're not going to go to heaven. But there are a lot of bitter Christians that have died and have gone to heaven. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean? Well, when it says without which no man shall see, the word see means to be admitted into the immediate presence of God, which means strife is a blocker. You're not going to enjoy the presence of the Lord if you've got strife and unforgiveness in your heart. You can be in a service where everybody around you is being touched and you don't feel a thing. And you might think, what is wrong with me? Well, you need to really look at that question because this verse says, if you're not following after peace and if you've got a heart full of strife, you will not experience the presence of the Lord. It is a blocker. Now I'm going to tell you a story that I'm not proud of. I've told you before. Maybe you've heard it. You'll enjoy it. I don't enjoy it, but I'm telling you because it might help you. 
When we started our church 30 years ago in Riga, Latvia, of course it was the beginning. The Soviet Union had just collapsed and all the churches were underground. Well, in Riga there was one church that was above ground and they declared that they were a new generation that was leading the way. And the pastor was a little short guy that was arrogant, very, very cocky, very bold. People followed him because he was bold, but he was really rude. He spoke bad about people that had been to prison for their faith, called them fuddy-duddies, traditionalists, old-timers, but he was going to lead the way for a new generation. Well, we started our church, and he became offended that I started a church because he said, Riga belongs to me. Well, at that time, there were a million people in Riga. I think there was room for several churches. And he stood on his stage, and he said, let me tell you, anybody that is bald premature in life is under a curse. He was talking about me. Don't you go listen to a man that's prematurely bald. That's a cursed man. Well, I started losing my hair when I was 17 years old. Doesn't mean I'm cursed. <laughs> my grandpa was bald. <laughs> and when I first heard it, I thought it was hysterical. I laughed. But then I got to thinking about it. And you know, sometimes thinking about it's the wrong thing to do. It began to fester inside me. That cocky, arrogant preacher. How dare he say that about me? He was a very short guy. And I found myself doing something really ugly. Now, last night we talked about the wisdom that is from below. Mm -hmm. This is an example from of something. Above. From below. Well, from, from below. But well, I'm telling you, I, I moved in some low-level wisdom when I got upset with that preacher. I stood on my stage at our church, and I said, I have heard that there's another preacher in town. Don't want to say his name. A little short guy. Let's call him the pygmy. <laughs> Denise just cringed on the front row. I said, the pygmy pygmy preacher. He says anybody who is bald prematurely is under a curse. But if you want to know what I think, I think any pygmy preacher is probably the one that's under a curse. Now let's open our Bibles and continue. <laughs> My behavior was so horrible. And a war of words began between our church and that church. And there were so many things I didn't like about that church and really had legitimate reason not to like. I didn't like their doctrine. They were obsessed with demons. They cast demons out of everything every single time they came to church. Didn't matter how long you had known the Lord, they said you were full of demons. And you always knew when you met one of their church members on the street, Paul, how did you know them? They talked about demons. Not only that, their throats were all hoarse. Oh, yes. They, yeah, they, and they talk like this because they'd ripped their vocal cords yelling at the devil. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the whole church sounded like that. I mean, I'd just talk to somebody on the street and I'd say, oh, I, I know where you're from, <laughs> just by the way they talked. Oh, and you know, when you hear what people say about you, it just kind of feeds what you feel about them anyway. But their worship was amazing. Oh, their worship was magnificent. Actually, the church was great. It was a great church. I just had a bad attitude, and he had a bad attitude, both of us. And we were both ensnared in this thing, and it was low-level behavior. And one day I was praying, and the Holy Spirit said to me, 
Rick, do you want revival in your life and in your church? I said, Lord, you know I want revival. He said, Rick, I'm going to ask you again, do you want revival in your church? I said, God, you know I want revival. He asked me a third time, do you really want revival? I said, Lord, you know, I really want revival. He said, all right. Your attitude toward that man is blocking revival. Can't be admitted into the presence of the Lord because of strife. He said, I want you to go across town, get on your knees in front of that man, and ask for forgiveness. I thought, ask for forgiveness from that jerk? What about him? What about him? He's the one needing to ask for forgiveness. He started this. What about him? Have you ever said that? What about him? What about her? And the Lord said to me, exactly. I'm not talking to you about him. I'm talking to you about you. I'll deal with him. But right now, I'm talking to you about you. Go across town, get on your knees, and ask for forgiveness. And then the Lord said again, do you want revival? And I honestly said, I'm not sure. <laughs> I didn't want to get on my knees in front of that man. And Paul and Joel, it took me a while to get around to it. I mean, I debated it, and the Holy Spirit was like a hound just on my trail, asking me every day, are you going to do it? 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 Finally, I said, yes, 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 I'll do it. So I took my associate with me, and all the way over there, he kept saying to me, my associate, don't get on your knees. Please don't get on your knees. Don't humiliate yourself in front of him. I said, the Lord told me I have to get on my knees. So we got there. I did not want to do it. I kept hoping maybe something would happen, and I would have to leave before I did it. So we talked about the weather, and we talked about our kids, and we talked about everything you can imagine. Finally, there was nothing else left to talk about. And I said, well, I know you're wondering why I'm really here. And I said, I'm here because the Lord has told me to do something. I looked over at my associate. He looked at me and was going, don't do it. Don't get on your knees. But I slipped down onto one knee. And I remember thinking, that's as low as I'm going. And the Holy Spirit said, both knees. So I slipped down onto both knees. My head was bad. I didn't want to look at the pastor. And I said, I'm here today to deal with me. I've had a really bad attitude about you. I've heard horrible things about you. I've believed it all, and I've repeated it, and I'm sorry. And when I looked up to see his response, he was literally leaning over the desk with eyes looking at me like he was so thrilled with delight. And his eyes were huge like, the great American is on his knees in front of me. And I remember I had to look away from him because <laughs> I wanted to say to him, get on your knees. We both need to be on our knees. 
But I wasn't there to deal with him. I was there to deal with me. And when I walked out of his office that day, I had put on my hunting gear. And I was bound and determined I was not going to retreat until I had captured peace with that man. And guess what? Today he's my friend. He's been my friend for years and years and years and years. The whole thing turned around. Do I agree with him about everything? Absolutely not. Do I agree with all of his doctrine? Absolutely not. Do I agree with his heart? I think he's really got a sweetheart. He's just got a little crazy doctrine. But I love him. I love him. And I respect so much of the monumental work that he has done. But to capture that required me being intentional. I had to be intentional. I had to really work on it. Took a lot of breakfast, a lot of lunches, a lot of dinners, him coming over to our house with his wife. And today, years and years and years later, Paul, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. He and I have such mutual respect for each other. Even though we don't see everything eye to eye, we really respect what we've done in the Lord. Mm -hmm. You want to say anything? It's wonderful that the Lord can bring peace to relationships that you think, uh, naturally speaking, are, are broken. They can't be replaced. They can't be fixed. But the Lord can bring healing into those relationships. But He does it with our involvement. We are the ones that have to hunt, have to, have to put on the hunting gear and have to make a decision to take action, to do anything possible to achieve peace. And in this particular story, doing anything possible meant humbling yourself, meant getting on your knees in front of somebody else. Very, very uh, undesirable position. Uh, so sometimes seeking peace is, is not the easy thing to do. It's probably, it's probably never the easy thing to do, but it brings the right results. But Paul, think about it, because at that time, in the Russian-speaking world, he was a legend. Yes. Because he was doing what nobody had ever done, and I was kind of a legend because we had done on TV what nobody had ever done. And, I mean, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you that that's just mm -hmm. the truth. It was like two legends at war with each other. But healing came. But somebody had to start. Mm -hmm. I listened to a message by Joyce Meyer not long ago. And she's talking about obedience. Yes, she's my dear friend. She's wonderful. And she said that our job is to be obedient. Our job is not to change other people. The Holy Spirit will change other people. But it's our job to be obedient to Him. And that was just, it really put things in its place. And the, the, the analogy about hunting, I've been hunting with my Uncle Jimmy a few times. And we didn't catch something every time. In fact, I don't know if you can say we caught. We, we didn't, you didn't get something. We didn't get something every time. And, you know, it takes a few tries before you get something when you're on a hunt. That's been my experience. And so it takes time after time after time, but eventually... You'll get, your, you'll get your game. That's very encouraging, Joel. Thank you. I have to say, I've enjoyed every home group this week with the two of you, but I've missed your mother. But Paul, thank you for being with us. Thank you. And thank you guys for being with us. Absolutely. If you know what it means to hunt after peace, let us know in the comments. If you know what it means to hunt after peace, if you've had to do something uncomfortable, if you've had to put on the hunting gear, and if you've had to take action in order to get peace. Uh, 
tell us. And also, of course, if you have any prayer requests, we'd like to pray for you. And specifically today, since we're talking about peace and how to get out of situations full of strife, if you have a prayer request, write to us and we'll be praying for you so that the Lord can bring peace into the situation where you think peace is impossible. You know, the next verse in that chapter says, thereby defiling many. Mm -hmm. Usually when you have strife in your heart towards somebody, your words that you speak so freely about the person you don't like or you're in strife with, it affects other people that are listening. That pastor and I both had the opportunity to defile so many people. We could have both said terrible things about each other, and we did for a while, but God brought restoration and absolute healing. And he was recently interviewed for our new autobiography called Unlikely That You Need to Order. It is, I was just stunned by the things he said. I mean, God just turned everything around, made everything good. And the issues that I thought were just so horrible in the beginning, it wasn't worth the fight. Wasn't worth the fight. And most of the things we get upset about is not worth the fight. There are a few things worth being in disagreement about, but not most things. Anyway, we want you to order the whole series called Overcoming Strife. It will help you. And it comes with a study guide. And we want you to get this book called You Can Get Over It. The back of the book says, No Harbored Offense is Worth Sabotaging Your Future. Mm. But even the things you're in disagreement with, you don't have to be in strife about it. No, you can, you can be nicely disagreeable. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people have doctrines that, you know, we don't agree with, but it doesn't mean we're in strife with them. We can be civil. Yeah. The Spirit of God is civil. Anyway, time's up. But I have really enjoyed you guys, and we've really enjoyed you. Thank you for being with us. And Father, we pray that you give everybody in our home group a wonderful weekend and a great time at church on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bye-bye. If that teaching helped you, would you please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.